God, give us ears to hear your words, that these would not be my words or even opinions or thoughts, that God, that you would speak clearly through the Holy Spirit as we look into Jeremiah, as we look at the past and how it speaks to the people of Israel and Judah back then and how it speaks to us even today. God, point us forward that we may know and please you and to live according to your ways, but also to be transformed as we are your people through Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. You know, Israel was supposed to be the people that represented God to all the world. So when the world sees Israel, they would say, oh, that's God. And we could understand that. Imagine if we had a church van, Community Presbyterian Church of La Mirada, big letters, right? And then someone keeps driving it in front of a nudist bar. Hey, that's the Community Presbyterian Church, La Mirada. What's it doing there? And then it goes to another, like, shady place every night. And there's actually internet memes of school buses and church vans. That's actually a true story where it goes to places where you're thinking, I don't think that belongs there. And it's funny because we know that with the name labeled Community Presbyterian Church of La Mirada, and this van is there, is representing an image about this particular church that, hey, maybe they're a little bit too loose or too, too laid back. And in some extreme way, you and I represent God today. So we're not merely trying to be good, but how do we live in a way that people can see and say, is that who God is? And Israel was supposed to be that nation, and yet, instead of pointing people to God to say, this is how we live in this covenant, they turned to false gods. And God, who has delivered them over and over again, hundreds of years, giving them chance after chance after chance, they have rejected him. And God says, I will give you what you want. And then the northern tribe of Israel, nation, in 722 B.C., collapses. By the Assyrians. So there's a small remnant, the southern nation of Israel left, and they are Judah. And they are going through some great times. King Hezekiah was a great king. His son Manasseh brought it down. And then there were a few more kings, six more kings till the end. And it's not looking good, folks. (laughs) It's not looking good. So what what does God do? And God is saying, listen, last warning, couple 200 years People are like, God, you're so judgmental. You're so impatient. But think about it. 200 years. None of you gave your children 200 years to stop hitting your sister, right? I'm giving you one more, another decade to stop and listen to me, okay? You you say, right now, stop, you know, spitting at your sister. And you say, if you don't, I'm going to get you or something. So we do that today. But God's giving humanity 200 years, folks. And Judah says, no, thank you. So Jeremiah 11, today's text uh, 1 and Jeremiah 11, the recurring theme is God saying, they have returned to the sins of their ancestors who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. But Israel and Judah have broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. So God's heart breaks. You know, we were having this discussion in small group you know, why did God condemn Israel? Why did God judge them? And, you know, the comments were like, you know, maybe they didn't follow the rules. Maybe they were just disobedient. But the language I'm getting here, it's a lot more severe than that, isn't it? 
I mean, if you don't feed your child and the child dies, no one's going to say, well, the parent didn't follow rules. Isn't it more egregious than that? If your son or daughter is malnourished and they're abused or locked up, and then you say, well, well, these parents, they just, they broke some rules. No, these parents, that's wicked. And what God is saying to Israel is, you're not merely breaking legalistic rules, but you have turned your heart away from your first love. And you've gave it to these false wooden statues that can't save you. And so, hence, Judah is about to collapse. And God's upper story is unfolding in his purpose and his ways, but the lower story looks a little messy. And that's happening today. God's plan is being fulfilled today. But in your life, in your lower story, it looks a little messy and choppy. And the good news is, when we turn, God is right there. And he will give us hope. So I want to turn to Jeremiah. You know what they call Jeremiah? Some of you may have read this in your younger days. What is Jeremiah's nickname? He is the weeping prophet. He literally cries Almost half of his life. Can you imagine crying for the half of your life? He cries because of sins of his people. Some of you cry for the sins of this country, don't you? You look at the news and your heart breaks and you cry. You're like, how could that be happening in the United States of America? This now? And your heart aches. And some of you, I think you get convicted and you, you you weep. Jeremiah is looking at his people and they're proud and arrogant. We don't need God. And he's like, would you just turn? And they won't. And he weeps because he knows what's coming ahead. God has told him, from the north, this boiling pot of water is about to pour. It's a Babylonian empire. They rose up against Assyria. They're going to take over the world, and it's coming. And Jeremiah's like, people, it's around the corner. And he's weeping. God, don't destroy them. And then finally, he weeps later because it has happened. The whole book of Lamentations in your Bible, it's after Judah fell. The streets are empty. Business is dead. People have been shuffled off. How depressing. You walk down Rosecrans Avenue, and there's nobody there except shattered glass, burned down buildings. And Jeremiah's like, oh, God, how could this have happened? This is what's going on in Jeremiah's life. But I want to look at him a little bit and just, there's so many things, but I want to focus on the calling God gave to Jeremiah because I think it's only, not only powerful to Jeremiah, but it speaks to us today. And I'm, by the way, just for clarification, I'm not doom and gloom preaching. I'm not saying America is going down. You know, I'm not there yet. We, have, we are in trouble. We do have a need for repentance, but this is not a doom and gloom turn or else, you know, America is going to die. I think maybe God's giving us, we're in the first end of the 200 years maybe. There's just definitely that, but this is not a doom and gloom. But it is a message to the church about how God calls to us. So I want us to listen for that. So let's go to Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah, verse 4, the Lord, word of the Lord came to me saying, I just want to focus a little bit on this, not as a main sermon. Verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. We learn gobs of life from just that alone. This is not the main sermon, but what do you learn about God and us? Before you were even born, 
while you were a little fetus, God says, Jason Ko, I know you. By the way, my Korean name is Hong Suk, so God's probably either, I always wonder, does he know me as Hong Suk or Jason? But I digress. But, but God knows us before, so babies are not people when they're born, but God is saying, even in the womb, that's a child to me, and I know him. And the Hebrew word for to know is yada, which means this utmost intimacy. It actually says in Genesis, this is rated R, Adam knew Eve, which means they got it going on, you know, their husband and wife thing. They're, they knew. But God's using it as this deepest level of intimacy, not just the physical. So God is saying, I knew you. And not only do I know you, I know your purpose. Can you imagine God knew your purpose before you were born about what he's going to do and what he wants to do from your life before you picked a major? Yeah. So God set you apart, and God is saying, Jeremiah, for you, I got a tough call. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. Now, if Jeremiah was 10, he'll be like, cool. But now that he's an adult, he's going, I don't want this job. Did you ever do something that you didn't want a job from God? I got to tell you, you ready? This is going to be, I'm so sorry. I was wrestling. Should I share this or not? But this is very gross. But, but I want to share this. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we just don't like, but we know we're supposed to do. So we had a, when I was in youth group, we used to go camping to a forest, real camping, no cabins, no air conditioning, tents, water, pump, 35 youth group kids, and parents came to serve. We had one bathroom for the boys, one bathroom for the girls. The plumbing and the flushing was bad. So guess what happened? I'm telling you, sorry, just this is graphic. Number two piled up. People had to go, so what did they do? They just piled it up. Yeah, it's gross. So it was actually peeking over the seat. So, so here's the here's here's part. You're like, okay, why did I come to church today? But one of the moms, this is what got me, and this is why it's so powerful to me. Youth group kids would be like, I ain't using that bathroom. One of the youth group moms, she came as the most humble lady. She goes, I know what needs to be done. She gets kitchen gloves. She drags my cousin who just came from Korea who couldn't say no. <laughs> and he's telling me this story with tears in his eyes. And she goes, hold this bag for me. And she does the unthinkable. And we got nice running toilet. But because of her refusal to say, I didn't come to serve this way. What needs to be done for the Lord's work to be done for the retreat, she did it. Now, friends, that's a call. That's a servant of the Lord. Amen? See, we don't choose what we want. We say, God, where do you need me? What does it cost? Let me go. Where do we get this idea that I'll serve if I have the time? I'll serve if, if it's convenient for me. Oh, you know, my family has a picnic. I, I can't serve. But, but if you see the need and people are going, we're really broken. <laughs> well, schedule three months ahead. I could usually do it. See, people pick up poop, <laughs> not because it's convenient, but because that's what servants do. So Jeremiah gets his calling. And the thing about Jeremiah, he's so ordinary. 
He's such a plain man. And listen to what he says. I am just, I am just a young boy. And the beauty of this idea that he's such a young man doing such a big job is this, that God can use and only uses, do you see this theme, folks? Ordinary people. Can you raise your hand if you think you're an ordinary person? Because to not do it, you're kind of arrogant then. You're like, I am extraordinary. No. So we're ordinary, aren't we? And I got news for you. You're the people that God wants to use. Wow. For his great work. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You and I are created to do good works. We're his handiwork, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just like Jeremiah. You have a, I don't care if you're 100 years old and you're like, God can't use me. Are you ordinary? Yes. God's going to use you. Isn't that awesome? So God, someone wrote this, and this is a book that I'm reading that I'm, I'm so excited about. It's called Saturate, Being Disciples of Jesus and Everyday Stuff of Life. He writes, I have found that one of the main reasons many people do not get involved with the work of God in this world is because they don't believe God wants to or can use them. Do you believe that? Maybe some of you think, I, I, God doesn't want me or he can't use me. I'm too, too feeble. And he says, they don't know that Jesus prefers normal, weak, and broken people. All of you who raise your hand, can you say this? God can use me. Come on, man. Church, let's go. God can use me. My goodness. That's a fact, folks. Isn't that good news? It's not because you're smart, good-looking, strong, beautiful. It's because you're a person God is willing to empower to do extraordinary work through ordinary people. Lives changing, eternity changing. So Jeremiah says, whoa, this is heavy. And so God has a purpose for ordinary people like you and I. And Jesus didn't come so that we could just gather at church on Sundays. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could have a one-hour worship service. He came and died so that we could be celebrating his glory, equipped for his kingdom, and to go out to be his blessing, and to be his messengers, to be his servants. Amen? And Jeremiah, I am an ordinary person, and God says, yes. So, here's the second part about God's call. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young, Jeremiah. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. This is funny. You know why? This is funny to me. So it's like, hey, I see Mike over there. Micah, we're going to go somewhere. Let's go. And Micah's like, where are we going? Just come. Oh, by the way, uh, do you have your bulletproof vest? I'm just kidding. Just, let's just go. By, by the way, do you have life insurance all set up, everything for your? Now, what's Micah thinking? What? You know, I, you want me to come, but what? You know? So God is saying, and don't be afraid of them. Of who, God? <laughs> Did you catch that? Jeremiah's like, all right, here I am. And that's what God does with us. He's like, Jason, let's go. By the way, um, you know, is, is your health okay? Why? Is your immune system okay? And the calling here is that sometimes, actually many times, can I say this to the church today? God's calling is never, never to our comfortable life. 
When he calls you, whether you're in praise team, in choir, ministry, and you're like, this is so hard. It's like a fish waking up every day and saying, why is the water wet? Why do we get surprised by that? Do you realize when Jesus says, you come follow after me, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. What is he saying? If you follow me, you will have no pain. It will be pleasure. Everything's going to work out. Life will be good. Hallelujah. And people go, I want to go to that church. You can, but God ain't there. Jesus calls us, when he calls you, it is almost always to discomfort. Uh, in, in, three, in, in 4th century A.D., there was a council of Nicaea, and 318 people gathered together to say, there are a lot of funky teachings in the world. What do we believe is truly from the Bible? And there was a conflict about Jesus, so they formed the Nicene Council, which we get the Nicene Creed. Out of 318 people, an author who studied this, his name is Vance Havner, he discovered this. Listen to this. Out of 318 delegates that attended this conference, fewer than 12 had not lost an eye, lost a hand, or did not limp on a leg lamed because of torture for their Christian faith. What are we complaining about in the 21st century? The music is too loud? Are you kidding me? Like, the grass is not green? What, what, the windows are too br- What are we complaining about? When we see 318, uh, 4th century BC, and we see Middle East, what are we complaining about in America, really? Talk about 1st century problems. Where is our faith? And the calling to follow Christ When we get surprised that life is hard, I can't follow this, I keep messing up. No doubt! (laughs) We're broken people, saved by grace, called by an incredible God to do great works. Amen? And when you say, why is church so hard? It's like a woman giving birth and saying, I didn't know it was going to be painful. (laughs) Well, put this baby back. It it just... What? It just doesn't make sense. So he calls us into hardship, not because he thinks he gets pleasure out of our pain, but because the work of Christ in this world is going to always bring persecution or conflict. Because we cause that conflict. Because we want comfort, peace, joy, my happiness, my kingdom, rather than his kingdom. So, Jeremiah Later on says this to God, and he's mad, rightfully. Jeremiah says God, to God, I have been like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. I did not realize that they plotted against me, saying, let us destroy the tree and his fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living. You know what he's talking about? Because Jeremiah is simply telling people what God is saying, they want to kill him. And he's saying, I did not sign up for this. And he actually tells God in chapters 11 through 20, He pours out his heart to God saying, I feel like you duped me. I can't believe you gave me this life. And he's being real. But Jeremiah is still trusting God. He says, God, you're like a deceptive brook. 
And the application here is God calls us to do things, and it's going to be difficult at times. But we don't do it, we don't serve God because it's convenient or it's easy or it brings us joy. We do it because we trust God despite the cost. And we say, here I am, Lord. May your will be done. Did you know you pray that in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not Jason Coe's will be done, Jason Coe's kingdom be done, but your will, God. So lastly, this calling of God, it's specifically and it's easy and it's hard at the same time. It's paradoxical. He says, Alas, Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. And then the Lord reaches out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. That's what God says to Jeremiah. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow. And I'm thinking, don't they all mean the same thing? Did you catch that? But also to build and to plant. And this is what God does. You don't have words. Let me give you the words. And here's what a prophet is. God, what do you say? People, this is what God says. Do you know that's a prophet? That's it. And Jeremiah goes out. He's going to be, we say this term in America, shoot, don't shoot the messenger because that happens, right? And God is saying, Jeremiah, I got bad news. You're going to be my messenger. And people are not going to like you. Sometimes, we get, we get confused at why do people reject this Christian message. Folks, no surprise here from the Bible. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. In other words, there's going to be a time when you talk about Jesus being Savior, and they're going to be like, fairy tale. And then he goes on. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There's going to be a time when people are going to say, I don't like the Bible. I don't like what God says. I like what you say. I like that you say that I could have ten wives. I like that, God. Surround me with those teachers. I like the teachers who say, Jason, you're going to be fortune-filled and and blessed. I like that teaching. I don't like this about cross. That's happening today. And Jeremiah is called to just say, you don't say it. Because people listen. You say it because it's the right words to say. And then 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness. So it's a difficult message Jeremiah has, but he goes out and his job is simple, just to tell people what God has said. You know, it reminds me of the parable of the sower. Do you know that that's the parable of the sower? Remember Jesus says, parable of the sower, there's someone who scattered seeds. And it landed on rocky soil, it landed on thorny soil, it landed on path, and then landed on good soil. And then some got eaten up, some got trampled, some got choked out, and some grew. You know what the point of that parable Jesus is saying here? The seed is not the problem. The place where it gets scattered is. The word of God is being tossed out. God's word is not empty and weak, but the hearts that receives it in church, in the world, That's going to determine how the seed goes. Church, let me ask you first. How's the heart doing today? Is it ready to receive the word and say, God, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
I will obey, or it's, I like the parts where I agree, but I don't like the parts where I don't agree. And sometimes we like the parts of the sermon where it affirms our opinion, but we kind of forget the parts where it says, love your neighbor, forgive one another. I don't like that part. And so it happens to us, and Jeremiah is called out to plant God's word, and the job for the church is when God calls, we do what God says. We share his word, and the world is saying, what does the Bible say? Uh, You know the saying, uh, what do Christians read to know more about God? Come on, be confident. Yeah, it's the Bible. What do non-Christians read to learn more about God? Have you heard this? Christians. That's a pretty interesting truth. What do Christians read to know more about God? The Bible. What do non-Christians read? I heard you went to church. Let me just watch how you live. And does what you say match how you live? Woo! Conviction. And the biggest reason for people not going to church today is, I hear this over and over again. I can't go to church because those people don't love. They love less than the people who don't even go to church. That's a, con- that's a conviction, church. But hallelujah, we're going to try, by God's grace and humility, to say, God, we want to be the people that people can read. Amen? We're not going to fight over petty stuff. We're not going to hold grudges. We're going to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to proclaim a resurrection, that we are broken misfits gathered together. We're not perfect. When you come here, welcome to imperfect people. Worshiping a perfect God. Join us. But when we walk around like this and say, you need church. Oh, boy, it's over. (laughs) They're going to be like, man. So we live by grace. And let me bring this to a close. Two things just to conclude, and we're almost done. God calls us to be part of his redemption. That's just the application. God is calling you and I to be part of his redemption plan. He is calling you. The answer to the call is not, but, what if? The answer to the call is this. Yes, Lord, how? Show me the way. Don't look at your brokenness. Don't look at your imperfections. By the way, if you were perfect before you became married, if you were trying to, you know, if you were waiting to become a perfect parent before you had your first child, we would all have no kids. Isn't that true? You don't have kids because now you're like, perfect, we're all, we got it, let's have a baby. Same with marriage. You don't get married because you got it all figured out. I'm ready for marriage. Life is going to be good. You don't follow God's call because you're perfect, but because you and I are, are imperfect, his power at work in us through the Holy Spirit lets us go out and do his work. Amen? So Paul says, I rejoice all the more in my weakness, for in my weakness, his powers are made perfect. Second Corinthians 12. Second thing, even in this sad time, Jeremiah is weeping, Judah's going to fall, and here is the message to them and to us today. Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah writes, yet in this all destruction and hopelessness and our sin and God's judgment, let me end the sermon with his words that he receives from God and let it encourage you in your 
despair at times and hopelessness, that God is still hope giver. Verse 22, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Say never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I don't care where you are, where Judah's been, where we are. God, in his gracious love, says, my mercies are new every morning. You turn to me, you can have that. That's hope. Isn't our God awesome, God? Amen? And through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, it's promised to us today in 21st century. Let us pray. Lord, we don't want to be disconnected from reality. Life is crazy looking. Judah times seems scary. But yet, we don't want to also be living in denial. So we look to the imperfections and brokenness in us, around us, and we say, God, would you humble us and help us to have our confidence, not in getting our lives straight, but in just declaring and owning that we are weak people who need an amazing God who could deliver us. We confess to you our idolatrous ways. We confess to you the desire to build our own kingdom. And we say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, God, that despite our rebellious ways, you over and over through centuries, literally, and through Jesus Christ today, you're saying that we can have reconciliation with you and one another. And we also can see that you are calling us to be a church that becomes part of your plan of redemption for this world. So God, help us to find the courage to say, here I am, use me just the way I am, Lord. Thank you for your incredible truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And may this church arise that it may declare with vigor, with passion, even to the point of death, that there is no other king than King Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. And as he taught us to pray, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.